0: people know, if they know anything about the New Testament, that in John chapter 11, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. How long had he been dead? Four days. I've heard a doctor say, we brought him back after five minutes. I don't know, maybe they did. But you're hearing a doctor say, yeah, he died four days ago, but we brought him back. I don't think so. Just imagine for a moment, if you were Lazarus, he'd be a celebrity. In the next chapter, chapter 12, it tells us that people came to a little town called Bethany to see two sisters, Mary and Martha, but they really wanted to see their brother Lazarus. Yeah. Lazarus was a bona fide celebrity. It says in verse 9 of chapter 12, much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, speaking about Jesus, and they came not only for Jesus, not for Jesus' sake only, but they might see Lazarus also. Got kind of a double header here. Not only can you see Jesus, you can even see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. I think sometimes we might be a little jealous of Lazarus. Yeah, they came to see Jesus, but someone came to see me too. I want to preach from verse 21, which convicts me, and I hope it convicts you. If you're born again, I hope it is your mindset to see and to show Christ. There are some people that just bask in their own glory. They got hero badges here, there, and everywhere. <clears throat> but it tells us these weren't even Jews. They're, they're called Greeks in verse 21. 20, rather. And it says in verse 21 the same came therefore to Philip which was of a crusade of Galilee, and desired Him, saying, Sir! We would see Jesus. It's convicting when we realize why we do what we do. You ever ask yourself, why do we go to church? Well, it's great to have Christian fellowship. It's great to sing. It's great to study God's Word. But um, we should see and show Christ, Christ in me, the hope of glory. A famous evangelist was honored with a great display many years ago. I won't mention his name. I'll just say Mr. X. And they showed Mr. X all this stuff. This was a man who dedicated his life to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they showed Mr. X over here, Mr. X over there, Mr. X with all kinds of stuff. Mr. X, hooray for him, three cheers for him. When they got all through, they asked him, Mr. X, what do you think? And he said, too much of Mr. X, not enough Jesus. Wouldn't it be a shame if at the end of our lives people talk about our idiosyncrasies, our likes, dislikes, our adventures, and they don't talk about the Lord. Sir, you would see Jesus. It's very convicting to me as a Christian, as a preacher as your pastor. But I don't talk to too much about me. Or you, or somebody else, but Jesus. I want you to know that He is the one. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love my brothers and sisters in Christ, but far, far ahead, of all of us, and certainly ought to be of myself, I ought to see and show Jesus. That's why I asked her to sing that. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. I'm no great shakes. I'm nothing to write home about but the Lord is. John the Baptist said, He must increase, I must decrease. A lot of people came to see Jesus. The Gospel of Matthew tells us that wise men came to see Him multitudes. There was a centurion that sought him out. The religious leaders did. All throughout the Gospels we read about the disciples including the mother of James and John who said, hey, can you pull some strings and make my boys number one and number two in this kingdom you're talking about? The rich young ruler came to him. And as we read in our text, there were certain Greeks these people are outside the normal circles. They weren't Hebrews. They were children of Abraham, and they came to Philip and said, Sir, we would see Jesus. They did not care too much about Philip, Peter, James, and John, but they'd heard about and wanted to see Jesus. In the Scriptures, we find that the most scriptural of those who would see and show Jesus. Too many have too much time for entertainment and other agendas. They'll tell sub stories. They'll have gimmicks. I wonder how many times as a little kid I heard stories about some guy that made a little boat and he lost the boat and then he found the boat and he bought the boat. And boy, you get tears, oh, poor little kid lost his boat or lost his kitten or lost his puppy dog. How does that apply to Jesus? Some people attempt to make a connection, but sometimes that gets lost in the shop. Our great imperative is to show Jesus to others. Did you know that? John 5, 39, Jesus said, search the scriptures, Oh, I read the scriptures, I love this Abraham guy. He's pretty good. Oh, I read about David, a man after God's heart. What a great guy. Some people read about a character in the Bible. I'm going to name my kid after someone's and they were a good example. They really an encouragement to me. And there are good examples, as best as humans can be. But Jesus said, Search the scriptures. They are they which testify of me. You know what he's talking about? With knowing the ark, don't focus on the elephant. It's Christ. He is our ark of safety, He is our only Savior. We have characters, we have things that have been ordained as institutions. They should drive our mind to the person and work of Christ. If you can't make a connection with Christ, I don't care how many angels you think can dance on the head of a pen. That will count. Okay? See Christ high and lifted up. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul reminded these folks who lived in Sin City, people say, you came from the West Coast. I sure did you lived near San Francisco. I sure did. And they sure got a lot of sin in Sin City, San Francisco. They sure do. My first pastor drove across the bay every week to attend the Baptist Church in San Francisco. It was a light in a dark place. In 1 Corinthians 1, verse 23, Paul writes to these folks who lived in the middle of Sin City. He encouraged them to compromise, to live for the Lord, to be the light of the salt they were called to be. Here's what we do, he says. We preach Christ crucified. That's the message I have. With my mouth, with my life, and so do you. I think sometimes people play a little game of, well, this is my job as a Christian, and it's an itty-bitty job. But the preacher, he's supposed to follow by the Lord. And the pastor, he's supposed to follow the example of the Lord. That's the pastor should. Even if he's not the pastor. Well, if he's a preacher, he to live for the Lord. And yes, he should. But you know what? That's also the Christian's job. You call yourself a Christian? Not too long ago, I was asked, What's it mean to be a Christian? Sunday school. Why should I be holed up someplace when I can get a blessing from that? Mm-hmm. To be like Christ. Yeah. People spend a lot of time doing a lot of doofus stuff, but we need to be focused on Christ. Yeah. Having his mind, having his heart, having his priorities. We beat Christ crucified. To the Jews, they trip all over that. And to the Greeks, it's foolishness. The Greeks pride of themselves of the philosophy, the love of wisdom. You know, the heathen hear about the gospel. Jesus died for my sin. In their mind they're thinking that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. It's foolishness to them. But in that which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. And then when Paul writes in chapter 2, he didn't break it in chapters, but we do for convenience. Paul says, when I think about your Corinthians, well, I think about the food there. Boy, it's so good. Or I think about the fashion going on. I think about, well. He said in verse 2, I will never not know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Every one of us should be able to sign their name a sinner. And if you're saved, a sinner saved by grace. That's usually not... I've had some business cards printed up. I've had business cards printed up over the course of my adult life, but I honestly can't. I can't say it ever entered my mind to say Steve Rain's a sinner. I am a sinner. Don't need to advertise it, but I am. That's how I, in the natural man, that's how I think. That's how you think. You don't want to lie about that. But what is it that is so important? Later in this same book, the ninth chapter, he says Woe is me if I preach not the gospel. I might tell you, you know, I, I learned a special way how to do this kind of yard work. I learned how to fix this. I learned how to solve this problem. I learned how to approach this, and and that's interesting. That's interesting. But if there's anything I want people to know, it is Jesus Christ, all oh the work. He should be to me and to you. So by our words and by our actions. We did something just a week ago. The members who were here after Psalm 53 preached. Did you know that? Well, you preached, preacher. Not that time. I was just standing here. The deacon, the four men that came up and handed out the bread and the wine. Uh, uh, Where they? Actually, all of the church were here. If you couldn't be here, I pray that you'll take seriously the great calling. If you had an appointment to preach someplace, Andrew, if you were asked to go preach somewhere, would you say, "Nah, maybe I'll make it, maybe not? Would you respond like that? Lord. That's the way it ought to be. Next time we have communion, you have an opportunity. You have an invitation from Christ Himself. You know, if He carved it in stone, well we have it carved in the table, don't we? Jesus said this do in remembrance of me. That's not Steve Rains, that's Jesus Christ saying do this, and do it in remembrance of me. What does Paul say in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26? He's writing not to the pastor. He's not writing to a board of elders. He's writing to the church, the people who are committed as members there in Corinth in Sin City. As often as ye, not he, He might get up there and preach. Some other, he might do something else. As often as ye, that means the good people of the church there, as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Is the death of Jesus Christ important to you? I hope you say yes, absolutely. If you had a an opportunity from heaven itself to declare the fact that Christ died for me. Would you do it? Well, I think so. Here it is. It's laid out for us. So by our actions, the scriptures talk about seeing Jesus. And then secondly, we should see Jesus in humans. Oh, an angel showed up. I pay attention to that angel. But I haven't had too many contacts, so many special audiences with angels. But I have talked to men and women, boys and girls, who love Jesus. And it's not because of something they're wearing. It's not because they're not swearing. It's because The beauty of Jesus is seen in them. This is not in the hymnal we usually use. But uh, a guy named George Johnson, I've never been, but he wrote a great song. Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. All His wonderful passion and purity. May His Spirit divine All my being refined. Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. If I get snarky, if I get ugly, if I'm short with you, that's me. Shame on me. I should be more like Jesus. I should be kind. I should be concerned. Most of all, I should be like. When somebody has been so unkind to you, some words spoken that pierced you through and through, think how he was beguiled, spat upon, and reviled. Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in you. It's real easy to say, you know, that guy out there, that gal out there, they really portrayed Jesus Christ. Guess what? Go thou and do likewise. May their tribe be from the dawn of the morning to the close of day, an example in deeds and in all you say, lay your gifts at his feet. Ever strive to keep sweet. This California boy had a world to learn about language when he moved to Louisiana. And I hear people say, Be sweet, be sweet. I thought that maybe you put more sugar in your tea or something. But to be sweet as spirits. Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in you. There are only three verses to that, but uh, that's enough for us to be a thinking, don't you suppose? When it comes to others, in the book of Philemon, Paul, the aged apostle, writes to this man who was a wheeler and dealer. He had a big house, a lot of money, a lot of servants. One of his servants, was named Onesimus, and he'd run away. He got to Rome. and was with Paul. And the Lord had saved Onesimus. And Paul sent him back. But in that letter, among other things, Paul wrote to Philemon. He said, listen, I know he left you as a kind of a cipher. He was part of the problem. But the Lord saved him. He's part of the solution now. Treat him not as a slave, Treat him as your brother. Hmm, but he's a slave. He's still your brother. And old habits die hard. We tend to think, well, I'm a somebody, and so-and-so is a nobody in Christ. There are all big guys and little guys, big gals and little gals. Are, we're just the Lord's people. A lot of folks don't get that sometimes. Well, so-and-so, they have all kinds of letters in front of their name or after their name or whatever. They got their name black. They're a celebrity, like Lazarus. Yeah, he's somebody. If I'm just a little Joe Schmo down here, compared to Christ, we're all Joe Schmoes. We need to know that. And what does it say in 1 John 4? It says, Beloved, let us love one another. It's important that we remember that Christ has made us equal with one another and seated at the foot of Him. In 1 John 4, verses 20 and 21, this is a calling card. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother... Something wrong with this picture? He's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen. How can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him. We talked about commandments in Sunday school this morning. You know, when the Lord was like, which is the great commandment? I think they thought, there are ten commandments, in stone, whichever one he says, we'll hit him with another one. <laughs> we got this thing covered. And Jesus didn't quote a single one from the ten commandments. But he quoted two that summarized the canon. He said, you love God. All your mind, all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. With everything you got, the Lord is to be preeminent. Oh, the second commandment, I know I you should. didn't ask, but I'm going to give it to you. Because I go the second mile too. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Hmm... This commandment we have from him that he who loveth God love his brother also. That's why Jesus himself, when he confronted Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus, he said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He said, why are you picking on those Christians? He said, you're persecuting me. It's like he said in Matthew 25. If you have done these things, to the least of the brethren, you've done it unto me. If your mind is, oh, they're nobody, they won't remember. The Lord sees what you do, your act of love and devotion to the Lord. Men might not know. Men might not care. So what? Do it because that's what the Lord calls you to do. So he was persecuting Christ. 1 Corinthians 8, 11, and 12. Paul says, don't you realize that when you do such and such, you sin against Christ? If I sin against brother A or sister B, I might not think that's such a bad thing. But as Paul says, when you sin against them, you sin against Christ. That should get my attention. And then in others. it's part of why I asked Marcia to sing that song. Part of why we sang at least that first verse about the way the Lord is and how we are to show. Why well, I read those other lyrics to you. In Psalm 90, and verse 17. It says, May His beauty be upon us. I don't have much natural beauty. You say, I know, I see you. I'm talking about on the inside. Because you might be old and wrinkled on the outside, but young and sweet and wonderful on the inside. You might just be a real person that people want to hang around and they they really appreciate you. But Galatians 4.19 speaks about Christ (laughs) being formed in us. We are not only to not be conformed, Romans 12, to this world, we are to be transformed with the renewing of our mind, and Christ is being formed in us. If you've been a Christian 30 years, and you haven't grown in grace, you don't declare Christ by your actions, by your attitudes, hmm. A lot of Christians have a saying, and it's a good one. Please be patient. God is not finished with me yet. I have to play. that's that's my claim too. Because we are still being dealt with. We are still learning. We still got rough edges. And the Lord is, has a way of smoothing them off. But it doesn't happen overnight. That's why... I ask Marcia to read That's a sing from Colossians 1.27. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know what? If somebody says, this is a terrible world. This world stinks. Let's look at Joe Schmo over here. Is there any hope looking at Joe Schmoe? Not much. Well, I might looking with it. Not much. Look at so-and-so. Very limited. Can't say much about them. Christ in me. We talk about what we do in Christ, through Christ, because of Christ. Don't get the big head, well, I can do, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. If Christ strengthens me, I can do His will. I can do it the right way and with the glad heart. Without Him, I can do this much. So not just in men generally, but in us personal. I am honored that my mama named me after a fellow named Stephen. I don't know how much she knew about Stephen. <laughs> and I didn't know too much when I found out that was my name. But in Acts chapter 7, this preaching deacon, as he was having the life beat out of him, he didn't say, <laughs> I lived the best I could. No. The focus was not upon him and himself and his accomplishments and his aspirations. 55 and 56 of Acts 7 that he being full of the Holy Ghost. If you're full of the Spirit, you're not going to talk too much about you. You're not to talk too much about the things of this world. Oh, I'm full of the Spirit. Let me tell you about my new boat. Let me tell you about... This accomplishment. Let me tell you about this recommendation. No, (coughs) you're spiritual. You focus on the Lord. I'm going to focus on the Lord. He, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven. That's where we need to be thinking. Think about our heavenly home, and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And he said, hey, look at me. I can see the heavens. I must be somebody. No, the focus isn't on Stephen. He said, if you could see what I can see. It made a man have to finish the job, of course. behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. These Gentiles came and said, sir, we would see Jesus. Yeah, we met Philip. They might have met Peter, James, and John, and all the rest. They might have observed miracles. They might have heard tremendous narratives about the work of Jesus, but they came to see Him. The Lord puts you in people's lives so that they might see Jesus. Don't cloud things with your gripes, your concerns, your aspirations display Jesus. Philippians 2 tells us someday all will see Him. They might not like it, but all will see Him. All will bow. Revelation 1 tells us the same thing, that there is a time coming and all shall be whole. Two passages to close. Titus chapter 2. when we see Jesus. Now, I don't know that I'm going to live to tomorrow. I don't have any indication from the Lord that my last day on earth, but I have no promise that I'll live past midnight or even do midnight. But my great hope is not, wow, I can have this. Wow, I can enjoy that. Wow, I can be in such and such a place. Titus chapter 2. What should we be looking for? What should thrill us? As a psalm that someone wrote, all that thrills my soul is Jesus. And that's the way it ought to be. Titus 2. Look at verses 11-13. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that. Here's what we say no to denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. Here's what we should say yes to. We should live soberly. People that say, oh, la die, everything's a joke. Nothing really matters. It doesn't. Soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. We're in this world, but we're not of the world. We're looking for that greater, that brighter looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. it's all about Him. So we say, well, what about... And you talk about a relative. You talk about a good friend. You talk about a place you've been or something else. All of that pales. I'll see my Savior. You'll see your Savior! Sooner or later, you'll probably get around to see me, and I'll get around to see you. But our first desire should be to see Jesus. The last book in our Bible is the book of Revelation. The last chapter is chapter 22. The last passage I want to point you to is chapter 22. The last part of verse 20. The next the last verse in your whole Bible. He which testified these things saith, this is Jesus himself, surely I come quickly. When he comes, he's not dragging his feet, folks. Amen. He didn't say the amen. We say the amen. So be it. Even so come, Lord Jesus. As we proclaim and obey God's word, as we carry out His marching orders, as we go to be with Him. This is my ongoing task as a Christian, as a preacher, as a pastor, to see and show Jesus. Let's have a song with me.